0: Hey, welcome to the Mostly Skateboarding Podcast. I'm your host, Temple Tinelli, and I'm joined this week by Mike Munzenreiter and Patrick Kagongo to talk about current Cable's new part, but first, skate shop shirts. Before going on vacation, Mike wrote about skate shop t-shirts for quarter snacks. The article had a lot of people talking and sharing their favorite shop shirts.
1: Mike, what is it about shop shirts that got you writing this piece? Well, I think it came down to um, my editor, Snackman, not having a fully formed idea about like what the thrust of the article would be, but I think it's kind of that shared experience of like you go to a new city, you find the skate shop even if they maybe don't have your favorite shop tea ever if it's like oh that's that's pretty sick I can I can do that you're buying that shop tea so there was that like experience of being a skate shop tourist, skateboard tourist and seeking out shops wanting to buy t-shirts and that was just kind of the nub of it. it's like, okay, People, skaters of a certain age, do that. And I think that's well documented, especially now that the article's out and people have been like, damn, my whole closet is shirts I've picked up from around the country. Like, I got a lot of that on Instagram. But yeah, it, it was just kind of like, a. It, the idea was let's write a story about shirts. And um, I got to give a lot of credit to Todd Bradtrude. who was one of my first interviews where he helped kind of like give the story direction and um, just kind of like, like the stories about shirts angle because as he says in the piece, like he's super into the more local, the better a skate shop shirt. And I think that, I think that's probably the way a lot of people feel. I think that's how I feel. Like if I could get something crazy out of like Bismarck, North Dakota, that is very Bismarck. And there was only like 30 of them made, that's going to be a good shirt. And then um before I give it back to you, Templeton, like I'd, uh, I think I, I know I've said on this podcast before that, like seeing more like reported articles about skateboarding and topics within skateboarding was something I'd like to see so that also played into how the story came about just being like hey man here's your opportunity to do an article so I I was happy to happy to try that's cool that snack man uh came
0: to you I feel like you're you're the perfect person to write this article and I was
2: stoked on who you talk to thank you Yeah. yeah of course Mike I have a question for you about this uh the first one is that first of all this was a great article because it kicked off a whole bunch of conversations, not just on social media, but also in real life, in skate shops, amongst friends, and also in group chats. So what is it about a skate shop shirt that serves as a a secret code word, a shibboleth, you know, a a little wink and a nod to other skaters in a way that having skate shoes doesn't have anymore? Because I guess everybody wears skate shoes now, but Is it just that, that you have to go to a skate shop and there's a hierarchy of shop shirts and people know that certain shops, you're like, oh, like for example, if I see someone wearing a Pit Crew shirt, shout out to Pit Crew RIP, I know for a fact that, okay, this is somebody who's for real, for real about this. I mean, that was a shop that was the center of the DMV area for ages. I mean, my goodness, they were, you saw it in videos. And when I lived there for many, many years, when I lived in DC, like, that was the cool crew. That was, that was the shirt to have. In fact, my, even my, you know, my combination TV VCR DVD player that I, I had all through college had a huge pit crew sticker on it. You know, I used to watch skate videos on that. So what is, it, I guess, what is it? What, what else about skate shop shirts makes them so uniquely skater? I guess even
1: core you'd say. I mean, I wish I had the, the nut graph to the piece handy. You know, it, it proves you were somewhere. It proves you're part of a crew or just, you know, proves you know what's going on in skating. But I, I, I think like Patrick, you brought up shoes and how that used to be the great indicator. It's obviously not anymore. But yeah, the pit crew shirt, especially especially for shops that are no longer with us, like that's a that's a damn fine indication that someone's down and actually cares and actually skates and might have a conversation with you about it. You know, I think it's just it's one of those few things left that really is a skateboard, like an indication of a skateboarder. And then another thing I think for like our set, it didn't make the story, but talking to Andrew Lukey, he said it's one of the few like skateboard specific items of clothing that 40 something ish skaters can still wear where it's like, oh, okay, this is, this is still rad. I can rock a skate shop tee as opposed to no offense, like a Spitfire big head logo tee, which, you know, it might be pushing it on a 40 year old dude. I mean, the
0: big head is—it's iconic. So i, I don't know. The... It's a great logo. <laughs> Maybe you need like just a, a, a chest size or a like a breast emblem size, not the the full big head for the old heads. Speaking of like kind of
1: what what kind of shirt aging skaters can wear, what makes a good shop shirt? I think. Uh, assuming you're asking me again. Yeah. Leaning on, in my opinion, like leaning on what Bradtrude said, it's like that that local element. Usually makes for a damn fine skate shop shirt. Another detail that didn't make it in the story, though, Autumn out of New York had, like, uh, this is uh, Andrew Lukey kind of name checked this one as one of his favorite shirts ever. Autumn made a shirt that was a Jerry Sue drawing, Bart Simpson head, and I think Bart Simpson was saying, cellar doors are over, dude, or something (laughs) like that. And so it's kind of like the other type of good skate shop shirt is the thing that's way too niche to be like a wide, wide release Spitfire shirt, but, you know, can be made for a crew of people that'll get it or like extended crew where it's this unique thing and not everybody's going to have it. I think that exclusivity plays into it too. And um yeah, just something that like shows you can, you're, you're repping your set. Yep. And I think building upon that
2: point, a hyper local reference For example, a chicken spot, a fried fish spot, a restaurant of any kind, a specific spot. It could be a reference to uh, a tag. It could be something that is not just locals only, but like a really small crew of people are going to get it. And going back to your earlier point about it's one of the few things that really makes a skater stand out. Regional scenes, pre-internet, were so distinct and so isolated that to see a skate shop shirt from another shop from elsewhere first of all you're asking what is that mm-hmm. right because think about it there was a period where you only knew other shops from either magazines or videos you know people weren't doing you know you didn't have social media where you could for example pull up you know where's this place on a map and actually be able to pull up a reference and, and and have access to all that information you had to do a some rudimentary internet research, or well, actually no, not even rudimentary internet research. Just some kind of research to Yeah, there was, out. <laughs> there was that page in like Thrasher or
0: Transworld, and add like a list of the shops that carried Thrasher or Transworld or whatever. And I remember traveling and like referring to that, like, "Oh, we're we're going to Phoenix. Like, what's the shop in Phoenix or whatever?" And you know, totally. Yeah, shout out
2: to Cowtown. Yeah, so. And even then it was, I mean, my goodness, it's quite Yellow Pages 20th century just to have that list. Whereas now you would just pull up a location on Instagram or, you know, you would throw a message up and say, hey, I'm traveling to Phoenix. Who got recommendations? What shops are out there? So Faces, Cowtown. I'm sure there's a couple of others
0: as well. You just you just know it's like in the ether, you know, like if you go to Denver, you're going to go to 303 or the Denver shop and the Denver shop still around. I don't know. Like you just know about all these shops cuz shops like sponsor a bunch of people and you know you've seen a bunch of
2: videos with the shirts. And yeah, it's it's a different thing now for sure. Oh, something else that has changed and I really noticed this during the pandemic when there was that period where folks were on unemployment or still able to draw salary because they're working from home and so there was money out there. Folks were looking to spend and skate shops we were a lot of encouragement out there to support small businesses so what did we do we hit up skate shops and my god skate shops came up with some brilliant designs over the last three years some really 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 cool shirts what's the shop up in albany that everybody likes a lot orchard Albany? no that's uh that's like in boston boston
1: yeah um it's very related armin he's up there
0: no arm armin is orchard just had a park come out very good part. Check out Armin's part.
2: Jesus, I've got all my all my lines crossed. <laughs> yeah. All the like New England, uh, Mid-Atlantic, Northeast, same difference. But uh, Seasons is the shop that I'm looking Thank taking. you. Um, Seasons came out with a few really, really high shirts. Yo, who else did? Um, Atlas, shout out to Atlas. Atlas did a, a bunch of uh, limited run shirts when they were doing fundraising for a bunch of Bay Area nonprofits there up in San Mateo. I mean, humidity, humid, yo. Was it Humidity who did the Tasmanian Devil, Bugs Bunny, airbrush hood tees, summer of 2020? Yeah, sounds I like you should have gotten one me. of those. Yo! You should have gotten one of those. Those were, because, by the way, the whole Warner Brothers thing was very big in D.C. In the DMV in general, it was a go-go thing. And I'm talking about, like, a solid five years after bootleg Warner Brothers stopped being cool in New York. remember showing up at University of Maryland, friends like, yo, you're trying to go check out some go-go? I said, go-go, what's that? And um, I noticed a lot of people wearing Warner Brothers, and most specifically Warner Brothers on denim jackets with rhinestones and things like that. It was a strange look. It has nothing to do with skateboarding, but again, hyper-regional. And broadband was starting to show up in homes, and we still didn't know about it. And this is only 200 miles south of, or 220 miles south of New York City. Anyway, back to shop tees and this explosion of beautiful shop tees. I also think that... um, because a lot more shops are doing mail order, especially during the pandemic, it became kind of a cool thing to just start collecting them, and it was really a sign that you were a serious fan. And also, you saw you know you saw certain brands doing collaborations with shops. You know, it used to be yeah, it was an occasional thing, especially if uh, let's say a brand started out of a shop, or you know, you have a whole bunch of riders who happen to frequent one shop and they ride for the same company that was common, but now it's becoming a lot more, a lot more frequent. What are some of y'all's favorite recent collabs between shops and skate brands?
0: My favorite is when shops flip the anti-hero logo. So there was a shop in Canada that did one with a cardinal instead of an eagle, Uh shop in Australia called Beyond that has, you know, uh, uh, what is, it's like a black swan instead of the eagle, it looks so sick. Uh, listener from Perth, Lee, I forget your last name, Lee, sorry. Uh, he sent he actually sent me one of those shirts, like my favorite shop shirt. So flipping the anti hero logo is my favorite. NJ Skate Shop did one where there's a gas mask on the
1: on the Eagle. Mm. What about you, Mike? Got any favorites? Favorite collab? Even collabs, like that that's a tough one. I I mean, you you checked it in the notes, like Andrew in Miami, this is in the story, like doing a collab with the NFL's Miami Dolphins is incredible. Big eighties energy. Oh, I mean well, it, it's like those those Miami sports teams, their branding is just so on point and never needs to change at all. Like the Miami Miami Vice Miami Heat stuff is killer. But I, I'm also thinking of just like uh, what Deluxe did, you know, getting getting Gons to do graphics for shops. That was a pandemic thing where you know we're gonna we're gonna give you this special graphic. You put it on whatever, and yeah, buying up stuff. I mean, skate shop stuff especially online mail order. The margins are great for shop-specific stuff. You know, that that really helps shops. And um, I, I guess dipping into the article again, another thing that didn't make it, Steve Leonardo from NJ, you know, was telling me that when the, you know, high pandemic 2020 when nobody knew what the hell was going to happen, he was saying he'd just go online and go to his favorite shop's website and buy up some stuff because, again, it's the best margins on shop-specific stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Uh,
2: something I really enjoyed from a few years back was the Palace Lottie's collab. Just anything that Mike Lottie would do, you know, around the shop, and I regret not going and buying more. I frequented it. I frequented that shop more than my fair share because it's very, very close to to where I live in LA. But I really regret not copying more of the uh, the Palace uh, the Palace Lottie stuff. Also, um, Lottie did some stuff with or several collaborations with Baker because I know uh, Mike is really cool with that whole set. Shout out to Mike. Yeah, he actually did another one of those things where he provided
0: graphics to a bunch of shops. Mm-hmm. Then, then Deluxe did a thing with Todd Francis where they did a bunch of graphics. Those are always cool. It's you know it could be something where you try to collect them all
2: or collect all your favorites from yeah. that run. Well, the, the Todd Francis one was great. He did some sick ones for it. You know, there's so many shops in LA that um, the one he did for Kingswell with the coyote was cool. The the dog for Neighbors. Also very, very cool. I, I love I love that kind of thing. I'm a really, really, really big fan. Um, so then here's the question. Is there ever going to be a point where shoptees cross over into mainstream fashion? Number one. And the second question is, why is it so hard for mainstream folks to write about skateboarding, even though there's a ton of information about skating out there? Like, this is not an obscure subject. It's almost like it's always written from the same painfully naive and like really uncool
1: voice so those are my questions for y'all on the first one it's kind of a two-part answer like uh yeah speaking of andrew lukey i asked him like what what is the status of skate shop tees in fashion he basically was like oh there there is no status because you know the the crossover skate to fashion thing is thrasher it's palace etc and i think uh, you know kind of kind of more from my own point of view, I think that like shop tees are, and can most are, a lot are, can be like they're obscure. I was talking to my wife about it. You know, we were talking just about the size of a size of a run on a given t-shirt. She's like, you know, oh yeah, they're only making like a thousand of those tees. I'm like, no, 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 no. They're making, I don't know, some of these shirts they're making fifty of them, or they're making a hundred. Like a thousand would be an insane run. Especially if you're doing full size runs through there. So I think it's just it's it's like it's it's the scale of it that, that keeps it out of mainstream fashion. Yeah. I mean, it's always changing and they can be so weird. And yeah, Templeton, you were gonna say.
0: Oh, I will say there is one one skate shop that's broken through to mainstream and that's Supreme. You know, like we kind of forget True. that it's a skate shop. And I think that also going way back to like what makes a good skate shop tea and we we're all talking about all the cool, like obscure references and stuff like that but i think the most popular skate shop tees are the ones that are just like a big block of text you know pit crew supreme dominion uh sky high all those FTC. shirts it's just like yeah ftc it's just like text big text and those shirts look cool i think i think a lot of them have like the that like collegiate text which just looks good on a t-shirt but what what was the original question sorry I... <laughs> Got a little off track. So the
2: first all about fashion, fashion crossover, right? Fashion crossover. But then the second question, just to refresh y'all's memories, is why is it for mainstream publications when they write about skateboarding, it's a very corny, uninformed, and very uncool voice as if they're just amazed that this thing exists. And again, and I ask this because there's a ton of information out there about skateboarding. Even a, a bit of rudimentary internet research will take you a long way. But, you know, I, and I'm thinking about this not only because of the the, the, the the nexus, you know, between skateboarding and fashion, both streetwear as well as high fashion, but also the fact that skateboarding is going to be in the Olympics next year. And that it's going to be in the Olympics again in four years' time or, or five years' time. And it's going to be in California. And you you swear, sometimes you read these articles, you say, like, have, you, have you never talked to a skateboard?" man i I think it's
0: really hard to do a niche community justice. I think if I were to write about baseball, it would sound corny, and I would lean on whatever the biggest cliches that exist around baseball are. I just think it's hard you know if you're not from the
1: community it's I think it's really hard to get it right. What do you think mike i mean it's it's obviously changing it's it's a lot better than even probably five years ago, though I'm not at all denying the premise like you know the you read not not to bag on a particular genre but you know the the kind of feature story on a non dude skate crew in a given city that's been hot for a little while but i don't know if it's the editor or the writer feeling obligated to say oh you know skateboarding it popped up in the 1960s in california when there were no waves and it's like i don't know why i did my north woods accent with that but I think people take or no, they're underestimating just the general public's like knowledge and acceptance of skating anymore where I don't know, Gen Xers are probably pretty comfortable with skateboarding. So how much of the population is that anymore? I think that you're not name checking James Naismith or whomever. (laughs) If, If I got his, hoping I got his name right, you know, the inventor of basketball, you don't have to bring him up if you're talking about basketball. It's a given. And Skating's probably closer to that than what these editors and writers think it is. You can do it justice without, yeah, relying on cl- cliches. You know, the air up there, or whatever. You know, the newspaper headlines we talk about sometimes on Twitter are like, yeah, I, I think you're right. They, we can dispel with the history
0: history lesson at the top of the article at this point. Unless you're gonna name check Emb. Yeah, yeah. I mean, We're that's that's modern the well, history. That's thirty years ago, dog.
2: yeah but i mean that's that's like uh history of modern skateboarding you know true i don't know i'm still surprised that there hasn't been i mean we've gotten a bones brigade documentary we have a tony hawk documentary and no disrespect to tony hawk or the bones brigade homies i mean we have an la boys documentary but i imagine that there's only one director out there who can really do the emb story justice and y'all know who that is of course jacob rosenberg (laughs) Yes, Jacob Rosenberg should be involved, but Ken Burns. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Dog, I'm talking multi-part documentaries. Oh, my God. I, I feel like Ken Burns is,
0: like, uh, just doesn't cut anything. It's kind of torturous watching those documentaries.
1: I mean, but, I'd, I'd watch the Aaron Mesa version. That, that <laughs> too came to mind for me. <laughs> but,
2: you know, you know I, I bring up Ken Burns, you know, partially in jest, but also to say, hey, like, San Francisco in the early to mid-1990s Was the absolute center of street skating. So much of modern street skating culture, the looks, the styles, the tricks came from this one window of time. It feels criminal that it hasn't been given a serious documentary treatment, especially because this was the era in which you started to get
1: lots and lots and lots of footage. I I mean, there's so much, there's a well of potential there, man. You can talk about how the city's changed how skating in the city that it's known for has changed and call it Burns. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, look, that's an
0: Oscar. That's somebody's Oscar waiting to happen. Ken, I know you're listening. Get in touch. We can make, make those connections. I'm trying to get some hardware for, uh, for the bathroom over here. Yes. Uh, okay. one thing I was thinking of when I was reading the article is how skate shops, you know, they've long been thought of as kind of the farm team for talent in skateboarding. As far as like, the people riding the skateboards and doing the tricks but I think it's also kind of the farm team for creative talent you know like a lot of filmers made a shop video and then went on from there but I think that there's a lot of like kind of designers and creative people who are coming from skate shops. Did you kind of see that Mike in your reporting?
1: That didn't crop up so much though I can think of examples like guy Ben Peterson who's from Minneapolis. He now works for Girl. He does you know he's Is the art dump still a thing? But, you know, he was making shirts for, you know, he has a design background. I'm not sure exactly what it is, but he was making shirts for Familia before he moved out west and got that job. So, yeah, I think that pipeline from shop to something bigger and just kind of, you know, learning the processes and learning what you can do totally exists. Trying to think if there's any other angles. I mean, Todd Brattrude, he might have worked for General Mills at one point. But, yeah, Phobia Skate Shop, which was kind of the 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 hub of Twin City skating, let's say late 90s into the mid-aughts. Like, Todd did all the art for Phobia and pretty much created the look of that shop. Absolutely look, created the look of that shop. Like, very Minnesota-heavy, kind of dark, kind of grimy. It was very bratchered. Yeah, there's definitely that pipeline. I, 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 I almost feel like I tried to keep that story a little too narrow. Like, I... I landed on 2000 words and was like okay that's that's it we're going quick in and quick out but um yeah there's so many angles to this stuff. Yeah, I love it. Here's what I want to know though. Like Templeton, what is there a shop in Portland area that you rep or are you still doing your east coast stuff like what what shop shirts are in y'all's closet?
0: Uh I got one of those uh Todd Francis uh skate shop day shirts from Smart Collective and that's in heavy rotation along with that Beyond uh, anti-hero rip that's from australia you know i have no real connection to that shop r.i.p to um, smart collective by the way so maybe i need is to that... find a new shop t uh, was that portland or i've never even heard of that one yeah smart collective is portland that was kind of the one that was closest to my house how about you
2: patrick it's, i've got quite a few so i've got some legacy stuff from my east coast days Palace 5, which is a shop in DC, as well as, I think I have a Pick crew shirt somewhere in storage. As per stuff that's contemporary, Kingswell, here, I've rather stuff that's from out here in LA, Kingswell, Neighbors, Brooklyn Project, Lotties. Uh, what's a shop up in Northeast LA? I think it's called Transit. I might have one of those that a friend gave me. Um, quite a few. I try to pick one up everywhere I go. There's a great quote that Yoko Ono uh, tweeted out recently and I'll read it to you because I think it really applies to anything skateboard related in a shop. uh, Yoko wrote I love, love, love hats. It's a nice thing to buy when you're visiting a new country too. It's not as expensive as a car and not messy like ketchup. Which then implies that John and Yoko, when they were traveling just buying ketchup wherever they go because it stays right up their alley but the sentiment is heavy skateboarder right there. I love shop shirts and I really love shop hats they're nice souvenirs of places and you know for example if my wife is traveling for work you know I'll ask her like hey you can stop into a skate shop would you mind you know copping something I love it it's great it's great fun and and again it is they're unique I mean Mike especially when you we talked about the the number of skate shop shirts that are produced there's really not that many of them especially like anything within a shop and can y'all remind me, because I think both of you have worked in skate shops, skate shops make more money from selling shop goods as opposed to whatever it is that they have on consignment or that they've ordered from a distributor, right? Yes. Okay. So go in, get a shop board, get a shop tee, get a whole bunch of things, especially if your shop is connected in some way and has, say, good wood for their shop boards. It, it's, it, number one, it can't hurt. And also because I think now that we're in a shop shirt renaissance, there's some cool ass designs out there.
1: For sure. One thing, I mean, it's worth pointing out, and I've done this myself, where I've slept on stuff from Familia here in town and, yeah, gone on to regret it because it is small runs of that shirt that you think you'll just get next month or whenever you're in the shop next time. And then your size is gone. Like, I, I guess my message is don't take it for granted because that stuff moves. So when, when 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 lightning strikes, that stuff moves fast. And... uh yeah, you might miss out. But then again, there is also the story of, uh, what was it, Labor Skate Shop's uh, Labor Skate Shop Call the Cops a Happy Mondays thing. Yep. <laughs> uh, some don't get, though, uh, I think it's on Grailed. I think maybe the image that went in that story of that T-shirt, James from Labor very, very helpfully found the image of it, and it was from Grailed. So someone's selling that shirt for like 85 or $95 if you really want it. I love Labor, by the way. God, they have some
2: amazing shirts. And anyway, I was, just thinking, <laughs> I, I was just thinking about this. What makes a bad shop shirt then? We've talked about the good and how much we love skate shops. What makes a bad shop shirt? Mm, that's a good question. I'm trying to think of
0: bad shop shirts. Back in college, all my friends rode for WRV, Wave Riding Vehicles in Virginia Beach, and their logo was the, the Circle of Dolphins. And we, we were all covered in WRV gear. And that was, that's kind of a regrettable uh, skate shop shirt. My favorite one was it was gray ink on a gray shirt. So a little, little bit uh, obscuring the logo. But th- that one's pretty bad. 17th Street had way better shop merch
1: for sure. Way cool. I, I feel like we've probably all seen them where it's just kind of bad art. I don't think that's too inflammatory to say, and it's probably happened to most skate shops, but it's, you know, there's a little graphic design going on where you're just like, eh, that ain't working. And I mean, I, I, I think that's part of the beauty of it, because if you're only making double-digit numbers of those shirts, probably not a tragedy to have some bad art on a shirt and live and learn and move on. Whatever becomes collectible, because again, like someone wearing
2: a quote-unquote ugly or bad skate shop tee in the right video... And if there's someone who looks cool, you know, there's some skaters who they can make a crappy shirt look awesome.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, I I, I guess I'm just speaking. Well, you know what what makes a bad shirt? Excuse me. Bad shirt for me is like, I'm just not into that one. You know, I've, I've definitely been in shops where just couldn't quite find anything I wanted. So there's that. I'll tell you what. Anything with old English or flames on it, like anything
2: like peak 90s, just no. Damn. Old English. I, I was going to do a mostly Sad. skateboarding
0: uh, logo, a flaming Old English mostly skateboarding logo. Because <laughs> I'll put that on the back burner.
2: You know, like like flames on the sleeves and then Old English writing in the middle. Just it it, it does not speak to me. And also just does not look good on me. So maybe you're right. Maybe it's like a very very personal thing. Like it's been a minute
1: since I've seen a shirt, a shop shirt that was actually straight up. I mean Templeton, you were talking about the band from iTunes or Band in iTunes shirt that you're going to do, so Oh yeah, yeah. Have to make it happen. Talking about it in the notes, I should say.
0: Yeah, that I'd mentioned maybe doing a mostly skateboarding t-shirt based on the Bad Brains band in DC that says Band Band in iTunes or something like that. But we'll
1: see. Like lightning bolt hitting the uh Apple circular building. Ooh, I like that. I was thinking like an old school iPod or something but yeah, that's, that would okay. Old school iPod would be dope too. You're giving away gems, man. You're giving away gems. No,
0: I'm I'm, the- I'm I'm putting a bat signal out there. So if anybody out there has some design chops, uh, make it happen. Because I definitely don't have the art skills for that.
2: I mean, you got the collage
0: skills? Come on, yo. Yeah, this, I mean, this takes like somebody who is actually good at like illustrating stuff.
2: I will say this, and especially somebody who's lived in DC, likes bad brains. If your shop's not from the DMV or not affiliated in some way to hardcore, stop using the Bad Brains logo. Just stop it. It, 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 It's played out now. It's like it's become a bit of a joke. I think that's what it is, though. It's a
1: genre all its own.
2: Yeah. I don't know. It just just feels kind of like I've seen it everywhere. It also seems like something that can – like it's dangerously in in brunch territory, you know? You could see, like, some terrible burger spot using it. Oh,
0: yeah. It's definitely, like – past uh being connected to bad brains,
1: mm. Maybe oh. maybe that's a coastal problem because I I see it as a shop bite around here and that's about it. But yeah, I don't I don't see it amongst the uh general pop. Oh, question then.
2: What is it about Familia? Is Familia a cult? Like y'all rock with that shop heavier than anybody I know for any shop of any place I've ever heard of or been to. What is it about Familia that y'all love it so? Like you, Kevin Horn, anybody from Twin Cities, it's just my god, it's almost obsessive. I think it's so cool, but what is it that what, what what's their touch? What's what's the magic?
1: That is a good question. <laughs> I wanted, I, I mean, I was going to bring up just being in Tempe, where you know the handful of Minnesotans there, I felt like every like each of us was wearing some Familia at any given point, and it was interesting because I didn't see certain, folks from certain zones were not repping their zone, if that makes sense. And That's not by no means trying to, you know, talk shit or anything. It was just like, oh, we do this as a matter of fact. I don't know. I think, you know, there's a lot of Twin Cities pride and there's a lot of people that have moved away, all la Kevin Horn or Sensor from Village Psychic, et cetera. But I don't know. It's a good name. A lot of respect for Nesser for doing it for so long and keeping it as real as he has you know, shorthand, to to put it that way, just for the sake of shorthand. They do have the script. It's not quite old English. It's more of a tattoo script logo, but that's really good. Bratrude does their stuff. I don't know. There's just a lot of love, and there's... I don't know. I think it is a generational thing around here, where if you're 35 and up, it's pretty easy to identify with Familia and, and the videos that are related to it and all that. And, I mean, that's basically, like what the shop shirt is all about. I mean, talking to Aaron Polanski who does sky high, the quote didn't make it, but you know, he was saying like, it's your tribe and it's how you identify. And when you're in, you're in and you want to rep it. So I think, I think that kind of explains what the familia thing is, but I'm I'm glad you called that out, Patrick, because yeah, if, <laughs> if you, if you, if you rep it at all, you rep it hard. I guess so. Like I, I,
2: I I've only really been in the airport and um, Minneapolis, St. Paul, and I have yet to visit. I really want to go and spend some time there in the summer because it just, the way everybody talks about it just seems amazing. And my wife, who's an urban planner, loves it. She's just like, they build everything. They just build it because um, the Twin Cities is actually, I think, believe the entire state of Minnesota has removed a lot of the barriers to building lots and lots and lots of housing and increasing density in neighborhoods, something that seems to be a huge allergy out here on the West Coast where we haven't been building for 50 years, and we wonder why there's 70,000 homeless people in LA County. Anyway, I digress. But I don't know. Minnie, Minneapolis? Minneapolis did
1: away with it. It's not the entire state. Where it? it's not not. Oh, okay. Yet. okay, okay. See, this is why she's Minneapolis and maybe St. Paul.
2: Okay, cool, cool. I mean, it just like it just seems. is it like very similar to you know I, I you know lived in Milwaukee for a summer, you know visited Chicago in the summer. Is it like that similar Midwest vibe that the weather's nice? We're going out and we're staying out all night because the weather is trashed for, you know, six months out of the year. Oh, totally.
1: And I mean, you know, it's light-ish and, you know, high summer, it's lightish until 10, 10, 15, 10, 30. Like, it's warm. It's nice. People are psyched to be outside. And I, and I think the trash weather, like, we're dealing with trash weather right now. There's so many potholes in the roads that there's, like, virtually just, like, gravel now all over the streets because the streets have been just blowing up on themselves. It might snow four to eight inches tomorrow night and there's still like massive snow banks all over the city. So if you're skating here, even with the indoor parks, a huge part, well, one of the biggest reasons there's a skate scene here that thrives. Like if you're doing it and again, you identify with a certain set, like that's it. You're wearing your familiarity. There we go. I've been resistant
0: to Curran Caples for years. I can't quite put my finger on why, but he's been slowly chipping away at it. His interview with The Bunt is legendary, his appearance at The Bunt Jam was similarly mind-blowing, and last week, he dropped a new part that finally got me fully on board
2: as a fan. Patrick, how about you? He was on Flip back in the day, correct? Yes. I think I'd almost forgotten about that until I watched that part earlier this week, and you know what? I actually really, really enjoyed this for a few reasons. First of all, the music was really, really good. And I am not a Ween fan, but it's really about the sound and the flow of the song as it fit the video. And also the use of anything by Papa M. For those of you who don't know, Papa M is one of the many names that David Pajo records under David Pajo, who's been in Slint, in Tortoise, Stereolab, Interpols One, like long and storied career as a musician and a producer. Anyway, back to the skating. Like it's he's almost Dylan-esque in a way, and I'm not just saying you know his love of slip bombs and tight pants, which I wish I could skate in, and his hair, but the trick selection, the fact that everything is clean, cleanly flipped, cleanly caught, Smith grinds look nice, really, really tasteful. And I, I guess I feel kind of sad that this is a standalone part because I almost feel like it would give his skate, do his skating a bit more justice for this to be a part of a video. But he writes for Skate Mental now, yeah. Yes. Okay. So they have a video coming up, right? As far as I know, yeah. Okay, so maybe I'll hold my tongue on my criticism of Skate Mental because uh, I really don't love them. I really hate their graphics, but they've got a really good roster. They've got a really, really, really sick team. and The team is stacked. The the team is very stacked, but, you know, aesthetically, they disgust me. Mike, what do you think? And then also another question for you, Mike. Could you picture doing this type of skate? Because he had some hammers in here, especially some of the, uh, like, for example, the gap over the stairs, uh, clearing a fence. And also skating on the 210 freeway and that huge alley over the, uh, there's a bump next to the, one of the exits of the 405 northbound. So that's Westwood in LA. How is he doing all these in slip-on?
1: That's a very good question. I do not know. I feel like slip, the the van slip-ons technology has improved as of late. I think like Templeton, part of your probably reluctance with them is that In my mind, he's, like, Cali personified. Yes. But also, like, too good to deny, especially after this part. He's Cali personified, but it's, like, that desirable California thing. You know, Arnold Schwarzenegger and the tourism ads, like, showing up. And it actually does look pretty dope. I feel like I watched the part with a critical eye towards footwear, and it wasn't as many slip-ons as we might have thought, though I'm still skeptical of skating in vans. In general, for the sake of feet, why? Other than the fact that they hurt your feet, yeah, that's it. <laughs> I see like large men. I'm like, damn, that dude is like 275 pounds, six foot four. Don't walk around in old schools at the airport, man. You're, you're you're destroying your body. The current part was so good, I think, because he did a lot of stuff that is just like, how is this in your wheelhouse? You're no sliding. Thirty feet on a hand, like on a flat bar downhill off a ledge, and it's like one of the coolest snow slides I've ever seen. But aren't you, yeah? Aren't you a, the kid who rides for flip and does some large airs and basic street moves? I mean, was was that a part of it? Was it just surprising at how well-rounded he is? I think so. Yeah. yeah. But I I watched some of his older parts. I watched uh,
0: the propeller part and his push part from five years ago, and there was a lot like you could see parallels like. There was a nose blunt on a rail. There was... uh, What else was there? Skate park footage. A lot of skate park footage and Propeller. (laughs) Um, Like, nose grinds on handrails and stuff. Like, stuff that was in this new part that was also in these old parts that I guess I just kind of didn't notice before. Like, the Propeller part, it was, like, a big mix of Park Street, which, like, obviously I'm tuning that out. So that's kind of how I've always viewed Curran as, like, a park guy who, like... He doesn't quite have that stink of park, park skater who's like, it's the whole part is park and then like one feeble on a handrail, you know? It's like right. a, a better mix than just that. But still, it always kind of had that.
2: He kind of had that stink on him, I guess. Okay, hard-hitting question time. Very similar to what happens in soccer when something goes to VAR, the video sits to review. I'm going to throw a flag on the play. Is it a penalty here? Like, what's the issue? Like, how do we feel about the use of park footage in this particular park?
0: Oh, for me, uh, I'm going to say I think the kickflip front 50 was jarring. Shouldn't have been in there because it it was like street, park, street or like street, 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 park, street, 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 street. Like what? I think it should be illegal to shoot film in a skate park. It's expensive to shoot film. Why would you do that in a skate park? Which is like an illegitimate place to create content. Uh, I did think that (laughs) safer and easier, less, (laughs) less, less footage. The actual <laughs> literal footage. I guess. I mean, yeah. But th- I don't know. If you're going to do something special, why do something special of a lesser thing? You know, like, he, Curran's good. He could do a line down the street
1: in front of his house, and it would be cool. Well, can I go in with my counterpoint? Please do. He's one of those guys who is so good at transition skating that I'm fine to see some of it. That I think his last trick is a frontside heel flip tail grab. It is kind of around a round wall. It's a skate park pool, but it's a pool. Like I have a hard time thinking that's not cool. Um, It's ender
0: worthy, and I think that the way it was edited was handled well. And it like I'm not as mad at that as I was the kickflip front fifty because it was like so just out of nowhere. And you know I'm a particular kind of person who. Feels strongly about park footage so most people are probably fine with it I saw the bunt shared you know a little clip from Curran's part that had that it was like that section and i like to me I'm like how would you do that um uh, <laughs>
1: yeah I think I I it's like he's that he's good enough at skating a park and I thought that kickflip 50 was rad like very dangerous trick indeed I both agree I, yeah I just part of part of why I give him a pass is like there's a there's a contest up here at Third Layer called King of the Groms. Fantastic name, uh, and I used to judge it when I worked there. And Curran Capels, Louis Lopez came up. Chaz Ortiz wanted a year or two, but yeah, Curran would come up, and these kids. It's a twelve and under contest, so these are little dudes, and yeah, Curran would be doing like five foot frontside stale fishes in the in this nine foot six inches avert deep end of the bowl perfect beautiful things and we were so stoked on him because he just looked great skating like the one little kid who truly flowed and looked really rad at it and so I kind of I kind of can't take away that memory plus they were nice kids and their parents weren't annoying I'm I'm lumping Louis and Curran now together so it's like oh yeah nothing but love for those dudes but yeah I think the park elements inseparable but the street stuff was so legit I, I I do see an argument to be made of like, you don't even need that stuff.
0: Right, it was like, nice put destiny. that somewhere, put it in,
2: put in the credits or something. Just don't mix it. It felt like a nice garnish, like it needed to be there. It was a nice, it was It was just like a right little touch, for example, like, like a little bit of parsley or something like that. I don't know, I mean, I flicked that shit off the plate, man. It felt like B-roll. It was kind of like B-roll, except for the Ender. No, but there's. it's kind of a flex to actually be shooting on film in a skate park. It's just like, see, we got money all over the place. We don't even care how much it costs to develop this.
1: The F Mm -hmm. Corp budgets, baby.
2: So the only other question I have, I know we've been chatting for some time now, but the other question I have is just thinking about the legacy of Flip, because this time 20 years ago, Flip was one of those elite tier, S tier, Premier League top six, you know, that was a company you wanted to be on. It was a company you wanted to, Quit your your brand and join them. They had the best skaters. The videos were brilliant. I mean, I guess I got to wonder, what happened? I mean, clearly, the company had a great legacy because they produced so many good skaters. But why is it that they're not retaining talent like they used to? I mean, people on Flip
1: for ages back in the day. I think uh, one of the traps is putting on kids who rip when they're too young. Because those kids will turn into older skaters who will want to reject what they did as children and find something new.
0: Yeah, I think that's right. I think also Flip didn't really evolve. You know, like the graphics are still the same. And, you know, just like things evolve and Flip was no longer the cool place to be, you know. And they couldn't attract the kind of talent that they used to. So if you look at the Flip team now, it's it's not S tier. They've been relegated.
2: <laughs> wow. Wow. And then here's the thing, Flip, you know, one of the things that they did very, very well was that they, you know, they were able to attract the best skaters from all around the world and they probably had a brilliant legal team. I mean, it's some really groundbreaking stuff that they did. And it's actually kind of interesting them being a UK brand because at the same time that Flip was bringing British and, and, and continental European skaters over to the U.S., you know, you had the Premier League in, in, in English soccer bringing in the best talent from all over the world, you know, uh, but particularly starting with, uh, with, with Europe because of, uh, you know, 30 years of the Maastricht Treaty and the freedom of movement and all that. And you would imagine that a company like Flip that probably has a good legal team still, why wouldn't they be doing that now, continue? I mean, they had uh, David Gonzalez for a minute, right?
0: Yeah, he was probably the last top-tier young gun on Flip.
2: Dang. I, I mean I would just I would just lean heavy on that. I'd just be like, okay, we'll go on an international recruiting thing, you know? Just do like uh, you know. A, by the way, that would be a cool ass job to be a skateboard recruiter. <laughs> picture, <laughs> picture Picture Adam Sandler, Adam Sandler in a movie like that.
0: Damn. <laughs> that would be
2: a cool job. I just think that I just think that
0: Flip doesn't offer what people want now. Like if you're a young skater, why would you go to Flip instead of FA or what, you know, like, if you're that level, you like, got better options.
1: Yeah, the reference, the the point of reference is lost, because, like, I'm sure a bunch of the, you know, Latter-day Flip kids came up watching Sorry, and that video is really good, and then those videos kind of began blurring together. Like, I'm not a fan at all of video series make, having the same name or even related names, Really Sorry, Extremely Sorry, etc. But, yeah, I mean one uh, topic for a later date is you know whether brands should evolve or if they stay the course you know what is actually the best brand formula i'm not sure if there is one but yeah it just it, it is weird that flip is completely juiceless now and i can tell you tom penny rides for them i'm pretty sure and that's about it yeah i mean is that
0: baby tom penny sure. shouldn't, shouldn't continue riding for flip you know what i mean like he's kind of had his time and like brands need to evolve you know they can't just stay stuck in the same place
1: yeah of all the, uh, uh, there's a lot of tom there there, there's apparently new tom benny footage being found every day <laughs> but for a while there there wasn't and he'd be one of the more difficult pros to contextualize without instagram and all that i agree but you know i mean there's plenty of companies who
2: there's plenty of companies who haven't really quote-unquote evolved there's plenty of companies who have found the lane like the creatures and the santa cruisers of the world they're still putting out videos they still have their dedicated fan base they still have their crossover non-skaters who like a certain thing about them maybe the problem isn't evolving maybe the problem is flip you know yeah and every every company this happens to a lot of companies some companies get over it and they you know a new lineup refreshes the whole program and it's amazing. I mean, it's really a question of whether they want to make that choice and make that decision to do it. You know, it's not a criticism, it's just a statement of fact.
1: You can't be on top for 30 years. No, I mean, then again, we were just talking about Foundation and I don't think Foundation is necessarily anyone's favorite company on this podcast, but they've reinvented it and evolved, but there's still something recognizable about it. We've all had our gripes about Girl, probably. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing. I mean, ju- just in terms of, you know, the direction of brands and all that. Yeah, I, to-
2: I totally agree. And also, you know, it could just be a fallout period. You know, all it takes, all it takes is a promo, an ad. I mean, goodness, look at Alien Workshop, that huge refresh that they did when they booted off three quarters of the team, you know, and maintained a core of Freddie Gall, Kalis, Deerdeck, John Drake, and maybe one other person and then it's rebuilt from the ground up. And, and alien workshop was a company that was definitely in danger of going to the mall and never being able to come back. And then they went on to dominate the first decade of the 21st century. You know, they really shaped the look and the feel of what was really cool in skating, you know, and that was a deliberate decision. You know, they could have, they could have continued down that airwalk, you know, you know, road to the, to the mall. So, you know, back to Flip and back to Curran. I mean, clearly Flip is doing something right that they have cultivated, what, now, this is what, I guess, what, the third, you know, what, two, like, two solid generations of skateboarders, you know? Bastian, Jeff, Penny, Apple Yard, Curran, Louis, I mean, we could get, you know, David Gonzalez, you know. I mean, that could be like four that. generations, really. Yeah, if you really have to, yeah, because I guess
1: what, skate generation is what, half? Skate generation every- is what? Five years, maybe. I was going to say, like three or something. Yeah. Well, (laughs) that's maybe a local scene thing, but yeah, pro Mm -hmm. generations might be, yeah, could be just three years. Yeah. Actually, I mean,
2: in the 90s, my goodness, I mean, things were were changing so quickly. Whoever was cool in 1992, there was no guarantee that you were going to be popping in 94. Definitely not by 96. Unless you were Mike, Mike, Mike Carroll outside of competition. Like, there's a guy who, if he came out with a hard body part today, you know, he's never had a bad part he's like a real exception like a like a frightening exception if you think about it like that dude has never put out a whack part and never had a whack fit i think you're right he's the ideal skater street skater at least yeah perfection personified someone that we are all
0: stoked on which brings us to the end of our show where we talk about what we're stoked on patrick
2: what are you stoked on this week I am stoked on a Spitfire Wheels because I'm about to set up a rainboard because I would like to just get out there and skate and it's been raining on and off for the better part of three months and why not just break out some old wheels and some trucks that are cooked and have a board to just skate around in. Not when it's pouring, but when it's wet. Uh, a song called Isamar, Amor Suave. It's a Balearic kind of techno song from the early 90s. It's very, very fun. Uh, today was opening day and the Yankees won, so that's always nice. My friend Aisha, who's a producer and a DJ, who's actually going to be spinning here in L.A., super awesome. We'll link to her music in the show notes. Uh, today is actually, uh, on the date of recording, is nine years since the first day that my wife and I met. We matched on Tinder in Brooklyn. We are both visiting at the time. We had a coffee. And we stayed in touch. And boom, here we are. Nine years later. Thank yeah, you. Nice. Yeah. About to celebrate five years of marriage in September. So bong, bong. Don't forget to swipe, y'all. Online dating is cool. Um, <laughs> And uh, speaking of uh, her best friend, Alison Roman just released a new cookbook called Sweet Enough. It's a dessert cookbook, and apparently, it's already doing numbers, and all the merch is sold out. So get a copy if you can. Mike, what are you stoked on this?
1: I was just out in Colorado, so I think I'm stoked on snowboarding, at least a little bit. It was pretty fun. Definitely skated the other day for the first time, though. After like ten days off, and I was like, "Oh yeah, this is way better." <laughs> M um, absolutely stoked on uh my kid though she's six she was skiing four days in a row i think and it was like her second third fourth fifth days ever skiing and she kicked ass she um took some good slams learned how to ride a chairlift which is super intimidating i recall now that my tiny person had to learn how to do it did some long runs and was just vibing it was very cool to be able to like my my wife is a fantastic skier, so it was very cool to do something together as a family. Happy about that. Stoked the kid with skiing. Also stoked on ordering a Village Psychic granite hat. Always got to support those guys and their merch efforts. Uh, Village and Psychic. It's actually two dudes who are named Village and Psychic. Who knew? Shout out Lurker Lou. Don't know if you listen. But yeah, the, the tangent to shop gear is your skate media website podcast gear so uh maybe we'll have some offerings from this podcast in the future templeton what are you stoked on this week
0: i'm stoked on a little staycation this week was spring break so i took the week off and we've just been hanging out at home and it feels kind of like a preview of retirement and i really like it so i can't wait and hopefully i don't have to wait until i'm 65 to retire like i'm i don't know maybe i could retire next year this summer sometime soon then i'd be super stoked and maybe there'd be a lot more mostly skateboarding stuff going on if i were tired. but for now that's it for our show this week be sure to check out mostly skateboarding.net for links to the things that we talked about and other show notes until next time you can keep up with us all week online uh mike
1: where can the people find you they can find me once i'm unmuted i am on instagram and twitter at m munzenrider patrick where can the people find you on the internet You can find me on Twitter under the handle at Colonel K Speaks, on Instagram
2: at Pete Kigongo, and as the executive chair of the Harold Hunter Foundation based in New York City, New York. Templeton, where can the people find you on Bobby Digital's internet, internet, internet?
0: You can find me on Twitter at MostlySkate and on Instagram at MostlySkatePortingGhoul. See you guys next week.
2: Later. (laughs) this.